We're going to have a little interaction here today. I'm going to ask you a question, and I need you guys to respond. We'll do it raising your hand style, and I'll call on you like you're in school, but it's going to be all right. Um, My question for you is, what are the three hardest words to say? What are the three hardest words to say? Do you want an example of what I'm looking for? Yes? So an example would be, I am sorry. Those are the three hardest words to, maybe an example of the three hardest words to say. Why would that be hard to say? Because you admit that you hurt someone and that you were wrong and no one likes to do that, especially if it's not a person that you really are friends with, right? But we have to say it. All right, your turn now. Three hardest words to say. Someone get us started. Cindy, you are right. Yes, that too is a hard phrase to say. I can especially agree with that one because I hate being wrong. So that's hard to admit that I'm... Chad, you had one? I forgive you. Yeah, because when we're wronged, we don't want to hurt anyone else, or we don't want to give that forgiveness. Joyce? I love you. Yeah, given that total commitment, putting someone else's wills and wishes and desires over yours. Pastor Dan, three hardest words to say. I am wrong, kind of similar. Yeah. I'm a failure. Those are all good ones. What about I don't know? Anyone else think that's hard to say? No, that's easy for some of us to say. <laughs> All right, yeah, those are all good examples of the three hardest words to say. Some of them are irritating. They irritate us. Some of them annoy us. Some of them make us hurt inside when we have to say it and cringe. But today I'm actually going to tell you that there's a different set of three words that is actually harder for you and I to say. In fact, they're the hardest thing that you'll ever say. Those three words are the Word became flesh. Well, it's four, but the Word became flesh. Those are the three hardest words to say. And throughout the centuries, these words have caused controversy and have been debated by scholars and theologians and philosophers. And to this day, they still are. And, but they're the same three words that our apostles used and taught at the beginning of our faith. And we see in today's lesson that John used them, and there's still three words that rock our world. So let's listen to that opening verses of John's Gospel, page 7. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, 
children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Gospel of our Lord. This is also a little bit of a different beginning to the Gospels than we're used to. When you think about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all begin with the Christmas story. They all begin with that manger scene and Jesus being born. But here we have John, and he begins with the beginning of time. So the question is, what makes John do this? There's a couple different reasons. First, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written before John. They were about 50s to 60s A.D., where John was written at the end of the first century. There's another thing going on. There's all these heresies talking about who Jesus was, and John is his purpose is to present Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the God-man, so that all of humanity will be saved. And so, you can see here by these opening verses that there's this urgency and this necessary desire for you to believe that Jesus is the true Son of God. Listen to verses 1-3 through again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. You see, John is boldly driving the point home to you and to I, and to me, excuse me, that Jesus is the God-man who came down from heaven and is and was and always will be the God who created the universe. And John doesn't go on to say anything more about this, just that it's true because he doesn't know how to explain this. You and I don't know how to explain this. We can hardly comprehend it. And just as we're about to you know, start accepting that Jesus is God, true God, and this whole dialogue that John is writing to us, he throws in another hard thing to understand. Look at verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The Word here is Jesus Christ. That's what John uses to call Him. And so we're thinking, all right, Jesus Christ is true God. Okay, I can start, I can believe that there's a God, there's someone who created this universe, but then John goes, well, wait, this true God is now true man. And we have to take a step back. We hesitate and we're, what, what is going on? But it's interesting when you compare these two verses, verse 1 and verse 14, because it looks like they contradict each other, doesn't it? Verse 14, the word became, verse 1, the, in the beginning was the word. Verse 14, and made his dwelling among us. Verse 1, the word was with God. Verse 14, the word became flesh. Verse 1, the word was God. When you look at these two verses side by side, that is a clear contradiction. So we think, right? Our human logic and our human reason says this is cannot both be true at the same time. But by faith, my Christian brothers and sisters, we can let verse 14 and verse 1 stand side by side, know that they're true because that's what God has told us. And it's hard for us to understand and it's hard for us to explain this. It's been hard for the world to explain this very thing. Philosophers and theologians and scholars have all tried. They've come up with reasons that they say, 
While Jesus was true God, but his humanness was like a, a costume, a shell. Like he had this human skin, and then there was nothing else inside of him but God. And that's, we know that not to be true. Or some people say that Jesus is like two boards glued together that they have no connection at all, but it's not true either. Or they say that Jesus kind of changed his state. A uh, bad analogy would be like a really rich guy becoming a beggar. You know, that's change of state and status. So he went from God just to human. And those are all incorrect because our human mind cannot rationalize this three-word phrase. The word became flesh. And it's hard for us to look at that and say it because when we can't think and rationalize something, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to accept it as truth. We don't like to rest our foundation of beliefs on it. But there's more than just this rational thinking that makes this three-word phrase hard. There's more, it's harder, the hardest words to say, not just because you cannot understand it, but when you say the word became flesh, it causes you to look at your flaws. It causes you to ask the question, why did the word become flesh? And when you say those three words, the word became flesh, you see and you admit that you are sinful. I'm sure a lot of you have jobs and that not all of you are the boss of your job, but if the boss has to come down from his high office and do the grunt work, that's usually not a good thing. It means someone's not doing their job, that someone's making mistakes, that things are going wrong. When you say the word became flesh, you admit that you are helpless Because the boss came down, you're stuck in this deep hole and you can't climb out, you can't throw a rope out, you can't do anything to get you out of this hole. When you say the word became flesh, you admit that you are not in control, that you have spun so crazily out of control you can do nothing else but sit there. When you admit the word became flesh, you admit that you are weak, You cannot stand under the temptation of sin. When you say the word became flesh, you admit that you follow those sinful desires, that you live in the darkness because darkness conceals evil actions. There's a phrase I'm sure a lot of you know, nothing good happens after midnight. Why is that? Because it's dark and evil things happen in the dark. And that's where we are in our unbelief and ignorance. We're in the dark. When you say the word became flesh, you admit that you are selfish. You admit that you are putting your plans and your wishes and your desires over God's plans and God's wishes and God's desires. And so when you say these three words, the word became flesh, they're not just hard because you can't understand them, that you're not smart enough to understand all these things of God, but they're, they're hard because they show how incomplete and how desolate and how depraved you are of all these things in this world. But I'm also going to tell you that these three words, though the hardest words that you will ever say, are also the happiest words that you will ever say. Because when you say those three words, the word became flesh, they show God's love and God's grace. They show that he sent down his son and that nothing, because of his son coming down to this earth, nothing, no sin you create, have ever committed, nothing in this world can separate you from his love. When you say the word became flesh, they show God's power. 
that he sent one man, one, his life and his death and his resurrection covers the lives, deaths, and resurrections of the entire world, past, present, and future. When you say the Word became flesh, it shows God's control that he uses all things in this universe to make his plan work, even evil, even death. When you say the Word became flesh, they show God's life-changing light. You don't have to worry about sneaking around in the dark, getting caught by your dad. You don't have to worry about what you're doing in the dark because God has brought this light to the world that lightens your heart, that allows you to see what actions are good and what actions are bad. When you say the Word became flesh, they show God's selflessness. That He sent His one Son and He caused, sent His Son to die for you and His focus of His plans and His wishes and His desires was you. These three words, the Word became flesh, are hard to understand. They're hard to comprehend, but that doesn't matter because they're the happiest words that, that you'll hear. They fill you with joy. They change your life. They point right to that Savior on that cross for you and for me. And so, my Christian brothers and sisters, I can say with confidence that the Word became flesh are the happiest words that you will ever say in your entire life. Amen.